Welcome to another episode of Pat and the Fat Man. We like to talk about movies, sports, and whatever else we feel like. I'm Pat. And I'm the Fat Man. 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 And today we're going to talk to you about sports. This is our football around the corner roundup. Granted, it's before the Super Bowl. And honestly, this is going to be probably a pretty good Super Bowl game. So It's going to be an awful Super Bowl. I'm going to hate every bit of it. Right. So for Bruce, this is a lose. Yeah. If you don't know who's going into the Super Bowl, it probably will have happened by the time this podcast comes out. So I don't feel like it's spoilers at all, but it's the Bengals. The Bengals. <laughs> who are arch nemesis rivals to the Browns and the Los Angeles Rams versus the L.A. Charger, who didn't make it in. Because just – okay, so here's the deal. The way the playoffs work in the NFL, when you get down to the end of the season, there's always a bunch of weird things that can happen to get a team in. Sometimes. Sometimes it just goes exactly how you think it will. But this year, yeah, it was just every possible strange outcome you could think of happened. Yeah, and so the very last game of the season, the Steelers – The Steelers. I'm just going to say it. The Steelers. Right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Hope they die terrible yeah, death. Yeah, so yeah, and particularly Big Ben. So right now right. you can keep doing your thing, and I'm just gonna be chanting, uh, "Ding dong, Big Ben is dead." <laughs> wicked Ben, the big old Ben, the wicked Ben. Ding dong, the wicked Ben is dead. <laughs> the the last game of the season was literally the nasty Raiders playing the L.A. Chargers, and as long as one of those te- two teams won that game. It meant the Steelers get to get to go to the playoffs. <laughs> Why that scenario ended up that way, I don't know. But I get you not. They go into overtime because they're tied, right? <laughs> and they could end the game tied, and both teams will go to the playoffs. Both <laughs> the Oakland Raiders and the LA Chargers would go to the playoffs, and the Steelers would be out in that scenario, right? <laughs> yeah, at that point, you almost like figure, why don't you just talk to the guys on the other side and go, you know what? You field goal, field goal, be done. <laughs> there were even Oakland Raiders fans in the stands holding signs that said, take the tie. Everybody, <laughs> which is impressive, that because you you either thought about that that far in advance, or you did it on the spot. Which either way was impressive, because yeah. to think that you would walk into a game thinking of a tie, <laughs> right? Which everyone hates in football, <laughs> right? And it was funny because the announcers were talking about it through the whole game. Sometime in the third or fourth quarter, you know, there's a scenario where you end up in overtime and you're tied, and it's not like you can make a, a you just take the tie and walk away, and the Steelers end up going. And every, I mean, literally. Every football fan in America who is not wearing yellow and black was <laughs> hoping and praying to God they would just that they would the take the fucking tie. But no, no. The motherfucking Raiders had to be the motherfucking Raiders and kick a field goal at the last second. You always count on Raiders to just with you, to just no matter who yeah. you are, just with you. <laughs> it literally went down to the last minute the, the literally the last two seconds of overtime they were overtime was going to be done and they called timeout and they kicked the field goal and they won the game and so the chargers were out and the steelers were in now granted praise be to the lord jesus christ the steelers lost their first game <laughs> in the playoffs <laughs> and i really do mean that i really do i hate this everybody hates the steelers everybody hates the steelers <laughs> 
The problem is they beat almost everybody in a Super Bowl. <laughs> that rap bastard Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. This is pretty slapdash and, and kind of going to be random, folks. So, you know, yes. get ready to, to just take in your trivia as you can. <laughs> and, and this is my chance to voice as a Browns fan just how much I hated the Steelers and how much I hated Ben Roethlisberger. And now I won't have to deal with him. And for those people out there that have said, oh, maybe Aaron Rodgers will come to Pittsburgh, you're f- kidding yourself. That's exactly what it is. Because Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to go to Pittsburgh. It's not a glamorous town in any way. I've been through there. He doesn't run out of the pocket a lot. And he can't take a hit. So there's no way he's going to Pittsburgh. <laughs> if I'm honest, I'm betting on Rodgers going to Tampa Bay. At this point, yeah, especially if, uh, you know, if the, the talk is – if it's uh, – I mean, it's not official yet, I don't think, at the time of this recording. Oh, but no, no, no. The talk is that Brady's going to retire. Brady's going to retire because the cause the Tampa Bay was out in their second playoff game. They lost their second playoff game. Right, so. and he's like, all right, the magic's run its course. <laughs> Him and Kronk both uh, – or Gronk, they're beat up. They're old men. Literally, Gronk was on injured reserve for like half the season. I mean, he scored several times. Like he was instrumental in beating the Cowboys the first game of the of the year. But let's be honest, they're old. Brady's got seven. He's got as many Super Bowl rings as the teams that have the most Super Bowl rings, which is the Steelers, which we all hate. <laughs> and I think the Patriots, those two teams have the most at seven. So, you know, he's probably retiring. Rodgers has been in Green Bay, Minnesota for what a decade something like that and let's be honest folks you watch green bay games when they play at home and half the season it's snowing flat out you can tell from the way he talks and the way he does things he doesn't have any great love for the city and the team like the way that brett Favre did right i mean granted brett Favre ended his career in minnesota but that was because he knew the Green Bay was going to move on from him eventually anyways. I mean, they did yeah. by saying that by uh, drafting Rodgers. Yeah. And the reason I think Tampa Bay is because he, I think Tampa Bay is used to his kind of the same sort of play style because he's not terribly unlike Tom Brady. He's not, you know, Tom Brady didn't run the ball. He didn't come out of the pocket. He's better at taking a hit than Aaron Rodgers was. And I don't see Rodgers going to Jack to Jacksonville oh, hell no. and replacing Trevor Lawrence. I don't see him going to Miami and replacing Tua Tagovailoa. And so the other team left in Florida, where it's just where the old men go to retire, is Tampa Bay. Right. Because at least now they have established something of a team that they can draft around whoever they have. Exactly. So I, I, that's my bet. I, maybe he'll go to the Texans. Maybe, I just think Rodgers is going to want to go somewhere warm. I don't think he wants to be in Green Bay anymore because it's so f-ing cold. Right. And obviously the Rams are going to the Super Bowl, so they're not going to be looking. I don't think the Chargers are. I think they're kind of happy with where they're at. No, the Chargers should have gone to the playoffs flat out. So on the the general front for Dallas, uh, Dallas did make it to the playoffs. We were top seed in our division because our division is terrible. The NFC East division is just awful. It's um, us, the Giants, Mm -hmm. the Washington football team, which doesn't even have a name, and, and Philly. And so we were king of the mountain there, although we actually did have a pretty good season this year. Uh, The Cowboys did. But the honest truth is the Cowboys never beat anybody good. We beat a lot of okay and a lot of bad teams. We had two two just amazing, amazing football uh, games that I will probably watch over and over, which was our game against uh, Washington and then our (laughs) game against the Eagles, our two last games against Washington and against the Eagles because – I think we scored more than 60 points on both those games. Right. It was just so fun to watch. 
<laughs> we got into the playoffs, and then first game of the playoffs, we played the 49ers. It was a close game. It was a close game pretty much through the entire game. That game was kind of a showcase of what Dallas did the entire year, which was sometimes the offense sucked, and sometimes the offense was just absolutely amazing. And there really was no in-between. We either scored a touchdown or we threed and out. That was pretty much it. And the 49ers had a decent defense, and they have a good offense. And so our defense wasn't able to be dominant like they had been in some games, again, especially against you know bad people, and even against some okay folks. Our defense was pretty, pretty good this year. And our offense was like the number one scoring team in both in the history of the Cowboys and in the history and that year in the NFL of all teams. And they still couldn't win, mm-hmm. you know, because we were good against okay people and against bad people. And the 49ers are a good team. It was disappointing. It, it, it like, and this is the thing with the playoffs this year. A, a lot of years you go into the playoffs and there's like two to three, maybe four dominant teams that just clear everybody else out, right? You know, maybe you get a couple good good games against people who aren't that great. And then maybe there's only one real dominant team and you get a bunch of okay games. And then, you know, the Super Bowl is just sort of bleh. But the reality (laughs) is this playoff season has been nuts. Like almost every single game has come down to the wire and has been won by a field goal or less. If you're a football fan, you can't come up with a better playoff season than the one we've had Mm -hmm. as far as like games, just watching the games. Like the Cowboys game came down to the wire. Both the AFC and NFC, you know, American Football Championship and the National Football Championship, uh, both of those came down to the wire. You know, I think the Rams won it because of an interception in the last minute. And the Bengals won it in overtime uh, because of an interception and the ability to kick a field goal to win the game because the overtime rules in the NFL suck and are stupid. <laughs> because the, the, way the, the way the overtime rules in the NFL work, it's sudden death after first score or sudden death unless the first score is a field goal. But otherwise, it's sudden death. Which means that 90% of the teams who win the coin toss win the game because that's how sudden death is. So it's stupid. I'm not a terrible, huge fan of the way the college teams do it either right now. (laughs) Yeah, because what was it? This year was nine overtimes. (laughs) Yeah, nine overtimes was the the winner. Um, But I think it's actually still – it's more fair than the way the NFL does it at least. It's it's more like the shot contest you get at the end of, of soccer games. And, you know, I hate to, com- to to say that soccer is more fair, but it is in that respect. <laughs> so, but Bengals managed to get a, an interception during overtime and get it into field goal range. And then they just sort of set up the field goal kicker and he put it in and they won. This is especially painful for Bruce and other Browns fans because, you know, the Bengals are, you know, old timey rival. So we should clarify, basically, the AFC North is a rivalry is just a rival division everybody in the afc north hates it hates everybody and you could say oh no that's just competition no no we we all have our reasons for hating everybody in our own division we hate the ravens because they used to be the browns and uh uh, can't forget and can't remember his name which there's a reason uh you know moved the browns to baltimore so we hate the we hate the ravens we hate the steelers because that's old timey and then we hate the Bengals because it's ohio and we want to rule ohio yeah so it's, I mean, and NFC East is not like that. Like, granted, there's a rivalry between Washington football team and Dallas and between the, the Philly and Dallas. And, and if we had to pick somebody, Philly would be the one we don't like the most. But nobody cares about the Giants. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
I mean, the Washington football team is just a joke <laughs> most years. So, <laughs> granted, they beat us both time last year, but you know, we were a joke too. So, <laughs> that's how that kind of works. And then on the other side of the ball, the Rams. Well, that was the the team that Odell Beckham Jr. transferred to, the the super ultra crybaby wide receiver who <laughs> basically cried his way out of the Browns organization oh. because he wasn't getting enough balls. And got picked up by the Rams. And to be fair, and I say this with as much, you know, I, I, I got to put a little something on it. I can't put my finger on it, but he didn't specifically ask for the trade. His dad did it for him on his behalf on social media. Yeah, because that makes it better. <laughs> right? Right. When, you're, when your dad is the one fighting your battles for you when you're a grown <laughs> man. Right. <laughs> playing in the NFL. <laughs> right, because, I mean, it didn't look good before. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or when players were asking for trades before, it didn't look good. So then the players decided to get smart <laughs> and go, well, I'll just get mom, dad, or my sister to do it. <laughs> yeah yeah so that's where we're at coming into the super bowl i think it's going to be good a good game i'm watching it my my wife's grandmother is 90 some odd she's been a Bengals fan for entire life she's decades of season season ticket holder went to the last two games last two super bowls the Bengals were in the super bowl they they lost both times so we're hoping for a win on that side of the ball. Luckily, the Super Bowl this year is the day before Valentine's Day. And uh, being that Valentine's is on a Monday and I'll probably be at work on Valentine's Day, I'm taking the opportunity to take my significant other out to dinner and having Valentine's Day on that Sunday. So I won't have to worry about it. Yes, I ain't going to be that petty, people, because no matter what, my heart aches, no matter who wins this one. Yeah. So that kind of wraps up the NFL. I honestly, at this point, I'm interested in the draft. I'm interested in a couple other things, you know, who who trades. I actually care and know who the players are at, at this point in my um, my watching football career. So I, I am actually interested in the offseason trading and who's, and who's going to get picked up. And another thing I'm really, really interested in is the resurrection of the USFL. Uh, yeah, I guess that's going to be the new XFL. No, no, the XFL is still scheduled for uh, next year, starting in February. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. This is a whole different... Yeah, right? <laughs> See, now I don't know if this is such a good idea, because you've had a hard time having one league come up and stay alive and, you know, do its thing. Now there's this one coming in trying to trying to survive. <laughs> yeah, so the XFL is her Dwayne Johnson's The Rock, but he was on, he was on some talk show and he told them, yeah, you know, the plans are in motion. We're we're setting everything up for 2023. You know, it'll, be, it'll still be a February. It's him, his his ex-wife and Redbird Capital Partners as the owners. I'm honestly excited. I'm excited for both the XFL. I'm less excited for the USFL just because Dallas doesn't have a team. Closest team to us is in Houston. So mm. it's a, it's an eight-team eight league. The New Jersey Generals, the Michigan Panthers, uh, Philadelphia Stars, Pittsburgh Maulers, Birmingham Stallions, Houston Gamblers, New Orleans Breakers, and Tampa Bay Bandits. So the USFL first premiered in 1983, went for two seasons, or maybe three, I want to say. But it folded in 1985. I think it only went two seasons. And the, the problem was, so it was a summer, spring-summer league, right? With about as many teams. And then, for some reason, after the after the 1984 season, the, the owners all got together and voted to move the season into the fall. 
and nobody could compete about the uh, compete against the NFL because you, you know they were scrambling to find places to hold games because the stadiums were all booked up by the NFL. You know, it was just difficult for anybody to draw people away from the NFL to watch their games and to just to, to run a, a conference. And so I don't know why they did it unless somebody was really just trying to tank <laughs> tank the league. But they restarted the league. And it's it's going to be August, or sorry April seventy three days till uh, till kickoff. The first game is going to be the New Jersey Generals versus the Stallions, the Birmingham Stallions. So I'm excited. I don't have to wait two hundred sixteen days, which is how two hundred fifteen days. Sorry, until the the first A and M game. I now only have you know I get I get one more game, one more football game in two weeks. And then I get uh, I get the USFL starting. Uh, I I don't know how long that season will run. I don't know how many games they're going to do a week. If it's going to be one game a week or two games yeah, a week. I mean, it seems like the primary goal for the secondary uh, football leagues is to put on a show for the NFL and see if they can get some of their players elevated. Because that would be a much more that would be a better way for them to make it profitable is to show that the players who come to this league actually move up to the big leagues, you know, move to the show. Yeah. Yet if these secondary stars that can't make the draft just go into the USFL and don't go anywhere, then it kind of seems like, you know, what's the point? Yeah. We talked a, a little bit on our Patreon about the concept of having minor leagues in football mm-hmm. because we were talking about the minor league baseball teams. And we talked about, okay, it's not really possible. You know, I, I didn't think it was possible. I guess we talked about this on our Facebook page, not our Patreon. But either way, go to our Facebook page and Patreon. Anyways, <laughs> so the XFL season starts in February, which would be theoretically after the Super Bowl, after the Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they only have eight teams. I, I want to say it's eight. And I know that you were commenting about the weather. Nowadays, it, it mean it's meaningless. If they're going to build new stadiums, they're going to be indoor stadiums. That's just how it is. They're not going to use AstroTurf. They're going to use something different. But, I mean, you know, they're all going to be indoor stadiums at this point. Well, it's going to be interesting because I, I know in Dallas, the XFL team in Dallas is playing on the old ranger stadium mm. and so that's outdoors like that's not uh, mm-hmm. not indoors so you know we'll we'll see how it is but yeah that's that's how these two and it, and it looks like from what i can tell and we'll see in 2023 if the if the xfl does premiere and they do they do a season but it looks like they're not going to overlap either because you'll have february and march and maybe a little bit of april for the xfl and the usfl doesn't get started until mid-april and so they'll do April, May, June, July, maybe maybe uh, three months, but it's probably going to be more like two to three months. Yeah, it'd be more like two months. So April, May, June, and then they'll be done. And then, you know, you've got sort of summer training, and then you're into the fall, right? I, th- I think this gives a great opportunity for both uh, guys coming off the NFL who are just sort of, you know, I've reached the limits of my career. You know, guys like um, maybe Tom Brady or Gronk or, you know, whoever. Yeah. Be like, you know what? I can't perform at the same level anymore, and I don't want to, right? I don't want the NFL anymore, but I still want to play. Or, I mean, it could be a way for them to get into coaching, too. Right. To get a feel for what it's like to be a coach, you know, whether it be a coordinator or a, a position coach. And it, and it provides a way for, for guys who don't get drafted. Yeah. Because, you know, what happens in college, in college sports, in college football especially if you go up for the draft you have to announce okay i'm going up for the draft once you make that decision your eligibility to play in college ball is done right right even if you're a sophomore even if you technically have two to three more years of eligibility 
you're done. And if you don't get drafted, you can't play anymore. Right. That's period. That's it. I think these these other two leagues provide a path forward for folks like that. And it's not a small group of kids. It's a pretty large group of kids who who go up for the draft and don't get drafted. A bunch of those kids are seniors who would say last year playing in college and, and they're just not they don't have the talent level. But some of them aren't. I remember guys who played at AM who went up for the draft and didn't get picked and just as my dad used to say, you know, well, what happened to him? Oh, he's waiting table somewhere. You know, because he didn't get drafted. Right. This gives something for those kids to do. I see pretty much all positive. The the other thing I really like about the potential for these leagues for me as a fan is it's possible I could go to a game and not have to mortgage my kidney. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. The the one game I went to this year, I I thought it was a steal for the for the front row ticket. It was seven hundred dollars a ticket, and uh, other people would see that as insane. But I looked at it and I looked at what other people were paying for their seats around me, and there were people paying over twice of what I was paying for it. So I was like, hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like you said, yeah, have to auction a kidney, you know, just to go get decent seats at a football game. <laughs> yeah, like I, I can't, I can't justify going to a Cowboys game. Mm-hmm. I, I can't do it. I've spent that much money on dinners on a very rare occasions, like you know, tenth anniversaries. <laughs> but I can't justify spending that much money to go to a football game. Uh, week after week i just can't do it whereas uh with the other you know with these two other leagues at least when the xfl played in 2020 mm-hmm. those were affordable tickets <laughs> i could do that <laughs> i could do that that is part of it that's got me really excited is that piece of it i, I guess that's all i've got for non-college football you want to talk about? Do you want me to talk about college football for a while? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> well, because we had we had a good conversation about this. Yeah, I'll just go into sort of the the, the college football roundup. I guess for the end of the season, we you know we talked about the end of the season with A and M. They lost to Ole Miss, and then we lost to LSU. So that kind of that killed us. You know, losing to Ole Miss killed us for any chances of getting into the the playoffs. And then losing to LSU just sort of demoralized the fan base massively. We were just we were all done. We were all done with the season. Like it didn't matter that we were bowl eligible. Nobody wanted to play in the bowl we were going to, <laughs> <laughs> which was the what was it the Gasparilla Bowl? No, <laughs> the Gator Bowl. It was the Gator Bowl. You know, we were going to play Wake Forest in the Gator Bowl. Nobody wanted to play that game. Nobody cared about that game. And then AM got, you know, enough folks at AM got COVID and so we didn't play it. For us, the season ender was against LSU and that, you know, was Ed Ogeron to so goodbye to the the football world. You know, we're all sad to see him go. Now we have to rely on Mike Leach being who's the head coach of Mississippi State being un unreasonably long winded instead of Ogeron being completely unable to understand him. <laughs> you know, it was always fun about watching his, his uh, press conferences. Cause you couldn't understand what he said because, you know, he's a good old uh, Cajun and, uh, but Mike Leach from Mississippi state, he, he'll drone on 15 minutes about, you know, what kind of candy he likes to eat. <laughs> and I'm not joking. That's literally, literally, he did that on the sidelines after winning a game. Like to to the reporter that was asking him questions, he was talking about the difference between Snickers and and like uh, um, not Juju Bees. What the hell were they? Sour Patch Kids or something? And I'm like, oh my gosh, Leech, what are you doing? Yeah. So say goodbye to uh, 
uh, to, to Ogeron. LSU ended up hiring the guy out of Notre Dame, which was a kind of an interesting hire. Not a bad hire. You know, he's made, he's the, that coach managed to get Notre Dame into the college football playoffs two years ago, and then they were ranked, you know, in the top ten at the end of this last season. Massively overranked, sure, but that's not his fault. That's just Notre Dame. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, we'll see what he's able to do. I kind of just bobble my head anytime talks about Notre Dame because Notre Dame likes to pick, gets to pick and choose who it gets to play. And I'm sorry, I don't, I'm not for that per se. I mean, pick a conference, man. Yeah. All right. Because you somebody throw a pie, right? Because <laughs> I mean, because if you're going to say you're a great team, then you need to play the same team multiple times in a year, and you need to be held to a to a standard now. Because, you know, it's not like Notre Dame's unknown. For God's sakes, there's a movie where you're the center of it, okay? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they were a dominant team for a long time. Right. They really were. And then they sucked. <laughs> <laughs> and they have for a long, long time. And I, I don't think they'll stop sucking until they, they start becoming Catholic again. But that's just my and what, With the mega conferences, <laughs> you know, the you know the mega conferences starting to come into shape now. Pick one. Okay, and I don't think that they should be allowed to just keep going independent. Going, oh, we'll just play whoever. No, 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 no. That's not cool, man. <laughs> well, as long as the bowl college system is in effect, that's that's going to be how it works. If we have to face Alabama twice a year, you need to face somebody. If it has to be Ohio State twice a year, I'm cool with that because I'd love to see that game. <laughs> we don't have to face Alabama twice a year, or not twice a year. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm getting confused. Yeah. But we have every to face year. them every year. That's what I'm saying. You know, yeah, we got to face exactly. Alabama every year. <laughs> every year. So, but, uh, yeah. Still angry, angry about the Bengals. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because <laughs> that's a twice a year thing. You play your, every team in your division twice. We beat them twice this year. I know. Second time with a backup quarterback. You guys got <laughs> F by, by Kansas City. <laughs> the SEC didn't do very well in its bowl games. Until you start talking about the national championship. Until you get to the the New Year's Day games and the national championship. So you had a series of, I'll put it this way, most most SEC teams made bowl eligible. Which, what it showcases is that everybody in the conference is on each other's level. Mm -hmm. Because there are enough wins and enough losses spread out among among the teams that given wins outside the conference, like the the you know, matchups early on in the preseason, everybody becomes bowl eligible because you only need six wins. Which you can't say for every conference. Right. So, like, LSU's win over Texas A&M, you know, at the very end of their season, made them a six-win uh, team and let them go to a bowl game. Now they got beat badly <laughs> in their bowl game by Texas Tech. I think it was the Texas Bowl. They got beat by Texas Tech. Like, no, I think it was Mississippi State that got beat by Tech. Either way, Mississippi State lost... I want to say it's like Mississippi State lost, LSU lost. Uh, I want to say Kentucky lost, Florida lost. Florida lost to UCF, if I remember correctly, which is just kind of come on, guys, <laughs> <laughs> pull yourselves together. So A and M didn't play. I, I I want to say Arkansas lost. There were a couple wins, but outside of the national championship stuff. You know, I think Tennessee won. I think maybe Kentucky won. I don't know. I'd have to look back. But either way, the SEC did not do that well in, in its bowl game roundup. However, in the the games going into the national championship and the playoff games, you had Georgia being ultra-dominant over Michigan, 
which a lot of people thought Michigan was going to go in there and surprise Georgia. And, you know, Georgia was beatable because, you know, they lost to Alabama. And, and so Michigan was going to be able to go in there and storm them and, and da 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 No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Georgia dominated that game pretty handily. And then the other game was uh, Alabama and uh, Cincinnati. And as happy as I was to see Cincinnati get in, I also knew that they were going to get utterly trounced by whoever they play because they're the best team from a terrible division. And that's interesting because they're going to move in when Texas and Oklahoma move to the SEC, they're going to move into the Big 12 and along with UCF and a couple other teams. And so it's going to be very interesting because they're no longer going to be the best team in their division. Uh-huh. They're going to be playing against OSU, playing against Texas Tech, playing against Baylor. Baylor, Kansas, you know. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what becomes of those teams. But I, I, it'll be nice seeing the Big 12 back to 12 teams because they've been playing with 10 teams for several seasons now. And it's just been kind of stupid. I don't know how else to put it. Yeah, the Big Ten who had 12 teams and the Big 12 who had 10 teams. That that was dumb. (laughs) So uh, Cincinnati gets beat by Alabama. Georgia beats Michigan. So we get a national championship that is just a rehash of the SEC championship, which in a lot of ways was what the whole college football playoff system was supposed to start avoiding. (laughs) Because... (laughs) Because that was happening on a regular basis going into the creation of the college football playoffs is that in the bowl college system before that, the top two teams were often SEC teams. And so they were playing for the national championship. I, in fact, I remember the SEC championship between LSU and Alabama. Or no, that wasn't championship SEC championship because I, I think it was Alabama Florida that year. But LSU and Alabama played, LSU beat them. And then in the national championship, because they were those were still the top two teams, Alabama beat LSU. And that was in the old – it was one of the last years. No, not one of the last years. That was in the old college, uh, bowl college system. So it was kind of funny just to see that happen again. Like, <laughs> like the two SEC teams get there and play it out again. This was a, like a rematch, both of the SEC championship that had happened earlier this year, which Alabama had some. Alabama managed to win that game. They didn't, didn't manage to win. They trounced Georgia. I think they won by double, like 40 to 20-something. So they did an amazing job. Bryce Young uh, won the um, uh, Heisman out of that, uh, which I'm still pissed off about. Because not, don't get me wrong, Young's a fantastic athlete. He's great. He's a great player. There's lots of them. But this was not the year of the quarterback. This was the year of the running back. If you were going to give a Heisman Trophy to somebody who's not a quarterback, which doesn't happen enough, it should have gone to a running back. There were a dozen or more just phenomenal running backs within the within the the college, the FBS system. And, I mean, they didn't even get mentioned. Yep. And I think it's a pretty massive failure. And I think, you know, most of the media are cowards and they kowtow to quarterbacks. And don't get me wrong, quarterbacks, the most important position on the offense. Right. It just is. At certain levels, you know, people say they're the most important position player in all sports. I'm going to segue here for a quick second because you brought up sports media. And I mean, it, there's definitely been a question about sports media and favoritism towards certain things and whatnot. Because uh, just in the past week, the voting for Major League Baseball's Hall of Fame inductees came out and David Ortiz made the cut. So David Ortiz can go into the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens both were on the ballot and didn't get any votes. And it's widely believed that it's because of their 
use of steroids and human growth hormones, um, HGH, performance-enhancing drugs that kept them off of it. The funny part is, is that neither Clemens nor Bonds ever tested positive for PEDs, whereas Steve Ortiz did. And to go back to what I was trying to get to is that the idea is that these sports writers are having a greater influence on decisions that of honors and uh, recognition for their athletic abilities than they should, because a lot of these sports writers never played these games. Uh, while they may have watched them and they know all the stats and they've seen them on tape and whatnot, they don't necessarily have the experience to know how great those athletes are. Right. Ultimately, last year, 2021, what kept Texas A&M out of the national championship running for, you know, college football was ESPN constantly saying, oh, they didn't play anybody and they weren't good enough to be considered number four. Notre Dame was. I mean, it was it was effectively media bias that got Notre Dame into the game and A&M out. And I, I don't know. I just feel like the media in – a lot of ways, sports media is in sort of a rut, and they, you know, there's certain expectations about the way things, certain things should go, and so they try to drive things into that into that wedge. What they tend to do is they try to get a lot of foot traffic by saying things that can only drive more drama. It's like trolling, only they're not hiding behind anything. You know, they're they're going to just say, "Well, this is my opinion. My opinion as a sports writer, you know, these are my credentials." Blah blah blah. And because everything that I write is an opinion, it can't be you know inherently wrong or right. And I will say it in such a way that I could always backtrack and either say I was wrong or no, I didn't say that. <laughs> you know what I said was. And great examples are you know Stephen A. Smith. Oh my gosh. That guy can burn. <laughs> he, can, he can burn in his own car. <laughs> he is the worst phony on ESPN. He belongs on Fox Sports because there's a guy in Fox Sports who does the same thing. It's just ridiculous. I mean, because in the end, I mean, he made fun of the Cowboys when they lost to the Browns, but then he'll go turn around and say how great the Cowboys are. This, that, and the other thing. The man is all over the map, and he'll never admit when he is wrong. Yeah. Same thing with Marshawn Lynch. When you talk about any other sport, he'll take take whoever's popular over whoever's good and that's all it is it's it's a popularity mess that that these guys have gotten us into yeah all right so uh so that was a pretty good rant about the media so anyways you got <laughs> alabama and georgia head into the uh yeah, i think they came out of the heisman talk yeah you got alabama and georgia heading into the national championship and this is like i said before not just a rehash of the sec championship but it's also a rehash of a national championship that happened in 2018 where alabama and georgia went but in that one alabama won in the last seconds of the game by scoring a touchdown literally on the last play the quarterback threw a touchdown. It was an amazing play to watch. Mm-hmm. This game was very close the whole way through. It was not a shootout so much, but it was when one team scored, the other team scored. I think Alabama scored first, and then Georgia scored, and then there were a lot of three and outs, or not necessarily three and outs, but teams would get halfway down the field and kick a field goal, or most of the way down the field get get a field goal, but then the other team would eventually score. And so the score stayed pretty close to the entire game. And it, it came down to the last set of plays. It was looking like, okay, whoever's got the ball last is going to win this because that's what that's what happens a lot of times in, in close games. So Georgia, as, a, as a, they go out and score the touchdown, they, they're up. 
However, if Alabama comes down and scores a touchdown, Alabama's going to win the game if they control the clock right. And so Bryce Young is driving Alabama down like they do because they're Alabama. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Georgia's defense is putting up stops and, and whatnot, but not they're not getting the three and outs. And they're not getting the full stop. And then, you know, lo and behold, Bryce Young throws an interception with like a minute, less than a minute left. And that is not just an interception. It's an, it's a pick six. And that basically ends the game. It's the last seconds of the game. They kick it back to Alabama. Alabama isn't, isn't able to they basically go for the Hail Mary effectively, but they aren't able to get it. And the game, the game ends. What was really interesting about this game from a player perspective is on one side of the ball, you had the Heisman Trophy winner, Bryce Young, quarterback who's probably going to be drafted this year with the Alabama team, who hasn't been as good offensively as they have in previous years, but they're still they're still Alabama. On the other side of the ball, you have a walk-on fourth-string former uh, wide receiver mm-hmm. who replaced JT Daniels because JT Daniels got hurt early in the season. It was it was a similar setup to what happened at AM, where you had AM starting quarterback got hurt in the Colorado game, and then the Seth King got hurt, and then Calzada stepped up. He was okay, <laughs> but he wasn't great. The opposite story happens with Georgia. You know, JT Daniels gets injured early on, and this guy steps up and he gets him to the national championship, and then he wins it. And he was a walk-on. Like, he didn't have a scholarship. He wasn't, like, pulled from any high school anywhere. It was sort of the the poor man's dream happening here. Right. You know, to be able to win the national championship. Whereas, like, Alabama had a pretty lackluster year. <laughs> yeah, for Alabama, I mean, granted, they still only had one loss. It was still the, the only loss they had was to A&M. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of their wins were blowouts, but there were some games where you just like, ooh, that. That doesn't look like the Alabama we know. <laughs> oh, a lot of their games were pretty close. I mean, Tennessee almost beat them if it wasn't for the fourth quarter. I mean, literally, <laughs> Alabama scored 28 points in the fourth quarter. If they had not done that, they would have lost that game. did Florida almost beat them? <laughs> Florida almost beat them. Florida was terrible this year. LSU almost beat them. LSU was terrible this year. Mm-hmm. They trounced Mississippi, Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. And everybody thought that was going to be a, a really close game. It wasn't. <laughs> um, you know, so it was kind of a weird year for Alabama. They definitely had games where they played well and games where they didn't play well. And I will say that the A&M game, they actually played pretty well. Mm-hmm. It was just, you know, A&M was able to sack uh, Young again and again and again and again and again, which is exactly what Georgia did. Do you watch the fourth, third and fourth quarter of the national championship game? Georgia is sacking Young again and again and again and again. And that that contributes pretty highly, I think, to the win. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, uh, Georgia breaks, a, I think, a 40-year, 40 41-year uh, national championship drought. Uh, all the fans are super crazy. If you want to watch some fun YouTube videos, go go look up, you know, Georgia fans react to pick six or whatever. Pretty hilarious. The SEC shorts, a hope. Uh, so that started the very beginning of the year and went all the way to uh, to the end. Uh, ended well. Hope's going to A and M, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's actually a pretty good segue into our our last topic, and that's going to be uh, college football players uh, paying, being paid, name, image, and likeness. N I L. Because the the joke the SEC uh, folks made with Hope going to A and M was that the the A and M boosters were going to pay Hope. 
you know, $1.4 million for her to do a commercial at a used car lot outside of College Station so that she, she would join the team, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, but it was so she would join the team. And what it was saying was, effectively, what's, what started to happen is that players are being paid directly by boosters to do advertisements for a company I just made up. Well, you know, and, and to use another example, one that we actually talked about on this show was this kid out of uh, Dallas who went to Ohio State. He chose to go to Ohio State because he got an endorsement deal to do a kombucha advertising up here. And uh, this year he didn't play at all. He didn't practice. He didn't get any field time. Because he's a quarterback and, you know, Ohio State had a decent quarterback. Well, he's already decided he's coming back to Texas because he'll get uh, – he's going to play for – Play for Texas, yeah, to you. Right. And he's closer to home and, and his family. <laughs> I mean, and it made sense TU, from every perspective. Right. And with TU coming into the SEC and that Texas has got all this money, he's going to, you know, switch – Teams like that. Yep. So, I mean, that's just what's going to happen. I mean, uh, the shocker this year was that, uh, what was it, uh, Jackson University or something like that in Mississippi where Deion Sanders is the head coach. They got the number one prospect of the year because Deion Sanders has got uh, an endorsement deal with Under Armour. And they probably told this kid, hey, I can get you a deal with Under Armour. Yeah. It's just how it's going to go. And even so much so that uh, Jimbo Fisher, the head coach for Texas A&M, came out and said, this has been going on forever. It's just legal now. We can come out of the shadows and do it. <laughs> yep. So, I mean, what you're going to see isn't that the game is changing. It's that the gloves are finally off. They, they don't have to hide behind having to do things the legal way. They can just do it. And so it's just going to run a little bit more rampant. The problem you got is that it seems like the NCAA isn't doing anything. They're not telling conferences you can and can't do this for fear of that conferences will say, screw you, we'll go our own way. And this is where you're starting to see where the NCAA is either toothless or they, they just aren't doing anything. They're just collecting money and hoping that the thing will figure itself out. Yeah. And, you know, and I think the way I think it's all going to shake out in the end is whatever college can manage to get enough rich boosters together to pay for a recruiting class are going to be the dominant teams. Mm -hmm. And it, it sets up a very strange scenario where you don't have, like, don't get me wrong. I'm sure Alabama has plenty of alumni who are rich, but there are other schools that are much bigger that have a lot more, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, Texas being one of them. Uh, Texas has one of the largest endowments in all of colleges, Texas A&M also because of oil effectively <laughs> and oil land and oil money. Mm -hmm. And, you know, plenty of uh, boosters uh, are rich because of those reasons. You have other colleges out there who are fairly no name right now who have right. probably You'll lots have a of scenario of like you do in um, in college basketball where teams like Gonzaga and, and Xavier will become big names, you know, and I, I to this day, I don't know where Gonzaga is. I, I just don't know. I do know that every year when N, uh, NCAA basketball is happening, they're usually talked about in some manner or another. Yeah. You know, like Gonzaga and Villanova and Vanderbilt and all yeah. these like, you know, little private schools that you never expect but now they have a chance to especially given the way the transfer portal works now how you know there's there's very little loyalty to a school on on a student's part and whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing you can argue but either way there isn't and so if a kid's not going to play they're not a lot of times going to stick around at their school they're going to go transfer somewhere else 
to try and get a shot at, at playtime in order to try and get a shot at being paid in the NFL. Well, it, you know, this now moves that goalpost into the college realm because like, I don't have to go play for the NFL to get paid. Mm-hmm. If I can get a sponsorship deal while I'm in college, then I can make my money while I'm in college. I don't even have to go to the NFL now. So whoever's going to pay me more slash wherever I can go to get the endorsement deal that'll get me out of debt or get my family out of debt or pay for whatever, that's where I'm going to go. And so I think it's going to shape things up pretty dramatically. You're not going to have recruiting powerhouses based on coaching staff like you did before, based on like wins and coaching staff. Like Alabama is a recruiting powerhouse because kids go there because they know they're going to win. Right. Like, I want to go play for the team that's going to win. They know they have a shot at a Heisman. They know they have a shot at a national championship, which means more attention for the NFL. That's right. But now the NFL, like, yeah, granted, it's still still the payoff everybody wants. It's not the only payoff. Mm-hmm. And if I can make good money going and playing for a college that's pretty close to home and, and maybe that can you know, get me an endorsement deal – it, it, it changes the recruiting playing field pretty dramatically and I think also changes how the transfer portal is going to work in the future. I mean, you know, we, we just talked about that kid that went to Ohio for the year and then came back mm-hmm. to Texas. I, I think there's going to be a lot of that. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, following that, I think you're going to start seeing schools because they don't have like it used to be scholarship, right? We'll give you a scholarship, right? But they don't have that kind of leverage anymore, and right. so you're gonna. I think you're gonna have either schools, universities, or conferences start trying to lay out, hey, if you go and play at a school, you have to play there for at least two years. There's gonna. I think there's gonna be an introduction of time constraints, because on the, the other way it rolls is you end up like baseball, where just guys just move everywhere all the time. Yeah, we'll have to go into baseball here uh, on another show. I think the bigger problem you're just going to have is managing the students, you know, managing how they handle money and having a safeguard like the NFL does with the Players Association. Not so much as to make sure that the money doesn't get out of hand, just so much that the students don't get out of hand with the money. And making sure that there's a little bit of oversight, you know, and, and... connection between the association and the parents and the players, you know, to make sure that things don't go completely off the rails. And that's where I think the NCAA should step in Just go, okay, that's fine. You guys want to do this, but we're going to set some rules here. We're going to set some people to watch you. And that's how this is going to go. Yeah. I, I just don't see like, you know, the NCAA is semi toothless already. I don't see them being able to go in and, force any kind of rule that everybody's going to agree to. I don't know. I just, I don't know. Well, when it comes to like, say, cause this is where the university, cause the universities don't care about how the students are managed. They just care with the ability to recruit. So as long as you're not interfering with their ability to recruit and your focus is on the students, the universities really aren't going to step in that much. I think the problem comes in. I think the universities might want to step in when they, if they start losing people. Like, so I, we've already seen Nick Saban start commenting in the press that something needs to be done because I think he's starting to have recruiting problems because he can't get the same number of backers and boosters and, and sort of that folks like Texas uh, University of Texas can or TU. I, I, I think I think that's going to be the reason the universities step in is because the coaches and the sports directors mm-hmm. 
are going to start hearing from the coaches that they can't win games because all their players are leaving or they, they can't put together a cohesive strategy because they don't have guys for more than a year. Right. I definitely think this will be at least something to talk about as far as um, college football is concerned for at least, you know, another year or two until we find out how this all shakes out. Yep. We appreciate you listening. Remember, we have a website, patentthefatman.com, as well as a Facebook page and a Patreon. So check us out. Support us. Uh, we really love interacting with our fans. Uh, thanks for joining us today for College or college and NFL Roundup. I'm Pat. I'm the Fat Man. Stay classy. Wicked Ben, the big old Ben, the wicked Ben, ding dong, the wicked Ben is dead. <laughs> so I'm going to interject this with a quick commercial comment, but you know how like McDonald's supposedly has like a secret menu? Yeah. They actually advertised it, something called the Surf and Turf. Oh, yeah, yeah. That is the most awful looking thing I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's one, and I'm going to ask Shay to bleep this next word I'm going to say, but there's one that's apparently called the MIG. Yes. <laughs> yes. I don't even know what's on that. Yeah.